Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, it's Newsday, and I have to say, two of these stories make me feel very old. I, uh, <laughs> one of them, I think, might be a deliberate wind-up or a spoof, I don't know, but we'll come to that, uh, some kind of robot scarf, but we'll come to that bridge when we cross it or we'll cross that bridge when we come to it Kieran either way both work um, but before before we start with the news Kieran you were there on, on Sunday what, what a brilliant day that was I, I, I know I tweeted this but the sight of Chloe Kelly minutes after she scored the winning goal for England the poor BBC commentator trying to interview her on the pitch and she just heard the uh, Neil Diamond song start off on the PA just legged it took her headphones off ran away and was last seen jumping up and down singing Sweet Caroline waving the BBC microphone in the air it was a, <laughs> it was the most joyous moment and I, I don't know if those girls have had any media training but most of them seem to ignore it after the game and it it was really refreshing their response on the pitch when they were being it was just just fantastic and it must have been brilliant to be there, Kieran. Yes, yeah, I, I was. I was very fortunate to to get tickets, um, and it, it was it was a wonderful occasion. Uh, you know, going up on the train, there were lots of people in England shirts. We we met some German fans as well. They were brilliant. There was no hostility between two sets of fans. It was it, it was yeah, family orientated, um, which 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 was great to see so many kids, boys and girls there. Um, and yeah, the singing, the, the match itself, I thought both sides to a certain extent cancelled each other out. But yeah, yeah. It, it was a tight game, um, but we won, and uh, we were we were right behind the the goal, uh, six rows back. So wow. when Chloe Kelly scored that, we, we, you know, uh, it, it was limbs and scenes, and, and the <laughs> uh, yeah. The, 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 it, the, the Baroness was uh, yeah, went, went into sweary mode again, as, as one would expect. Um, so what she said, uh, the words uh, that was brilliant, and there was a word in between um, was, was screamed from from my uh, uh, you know, from my school head wife. <laughs> yeah. Also, do you know, watching it with Ed, my son, who's who's baffled by some of the behaviour of male England fans, and he just made the point. You know, you look at. You hope that you know, eight-year-old girls in the crowd don't know why they should be booing the German national anthem, and therefore mm. don't. You know, I mean, yeah. you could you could hear a pin drop during both anthems, which is how it should be. But it was it's fantastic, and we'll we'll be discussing this, I'm sure, in weeks and months to come. Let's hope it is going to be the springboard that everybody wants it to be for a more equal investment in the women's game. Uh, and on that uh, woke note, as the Telegraph would no doubt put it. Uh, the Telegraph are reviewing this now, Kieran Nevis, saying there's no need for that sort of woke attitude in podcasting. What's this, <laughs> what's this country coming to? They're probably the sort of people who complained about how hot it was last week. Um, now, news, Kieran. And the first news story is a club that we uh, has always been on our good step, yours in particular, Plymouth Argyle, and they've received some fresh investment from the United States. Yes, what's happened uh, at Argyle is that uh, they've issued new shares to some American investors who are going to take up a 20% stake uh, in the club, uh, I, th- I think for around about £4 million. Uh, 
Um, and if Plymouth fans are, are starting to get excited, you know, does this mean we're getting a new centre forward? Um, it, it's going into the, the long term growth of the club. So it's it's going into uh, infrastructure. Uh, Argyle want to. To, to build up, uh, you know, academy facilities, training facilities. They they, they want to have uh, a better opportunity to identify and and, and improve talent. So it, it's part of the long term plan um, from the club. You know, we, we are we are appearing live there uh, in 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 September, and, and we'll be having a, a chat with them um, on, on stage. Uh, but it, it's to me, uh, I, it's it's the right approach because there are. Too many examples of people coming into football, getting out the checkbook, going down the route of let's sign somebody on the advice of an agent or the advice of of somebody who, who actually just wants to you know, get hold of our cash, and, and the club doesn't necessarily move forwards. Um, if you, if you get the foundations right, it doesn't matter what what stage of football you're at. Get get your foundations right, then that gives you the the springboard to to progress the club. And it might not be as glamorous, and it might not be as instant. But um, you know, if, if I take a look at what's happened at my club, it was get the stadium sorted, get the training facilities sorted, mm. and then we'll get into the Premier League, and, and we'll we'll try to stay there. And and that's that's been the approach. Um, and, and I do think that uh, if if you've got a a board of directors who see the 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 broader issues and, and the long term strategic issues, then then that uh, is uh, yeah, beneficial, um, and and you you don't end up being a yo yo club or or you know having one good season followed by four or five fallow ones. Yeah, just a, a note to all those people, and there are very many of them. It's nearly sold out. Our next live show. Plymouth Argyle, we take questions from the audience. We get people to write their questions down and then produce a guy half-heartedly sifts through them and then you and I uh, full-heartedly sift through them. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just, just a little note, um, any question that has got the word sleeping giant in it uh, probably won't get read out. And <laughs> if Kieran or I accidentally use a phrase sleeping giant, we will buy you a drink for every time we do so. So... Uh, just, just that's the, the one set of parameters we're having. Um, very much looking forward to it. Now, Kieran, as a Palace fan, when I see the word hedge fund in relation to mm. any football club, I get a bit twitchy because it was a uh, hedge fund getting involved with us that led to our second administration. But the hedge fund of our own Coventry City have apparently said that they are open to offers for the club, which may or may not be good news for the fans, I suppose, who have been through on the quiet, a very volatile time in the past few seasons. Yes, uh, but I, I think this, this story's actually come from the Financial Times, which mm. I think is indicative of the extent to which football and finance has become a mainstream topic as far as the, the world of finance is concerned. Um, Coventry City are presently owned by this hedge fund called Sisu, and they, they bought they bought Colf in 2007, and nobody could could quite work out mm. what their rationale was. Although at the time, uh, I, I think the the stadium was owned by, I think it was partly owned by the council, yeah. um, and and they and they were trying to buy the stadium back at a, at a knockdown price. And I think that the the aim would then be that then we can go and sell off. Uh, and, and make some money on the back of it, but that that's never materialised. And I mean, to be fair, to, to fair to see suit that uh, Coventry have made losses in, in in the majority of the years under their ownership, but they've they've underwritten those losses. Um, and, and then um, the stadium, which to you and I is the Rico, 
Um, I know it's now the Coventry Building Society Stadium or something like that. But, but you know, we're, we're old school. We, we still, to me, it's still the Rico. Um, that that was uh, acquired by Wasps Rugby Club, and effectively uh, Coventry became the tenants. Um, and there's been there's been disputes, um, and we've seen Coventry, uh, you know, effectively being evicted and, and playing in Birmingham um, and, and elsewhere on, on the back of that. But um, in order to to uh, to buy the stadium, uh, Wasps took out a loan. And this loan is around about £35 million, on which they are paying 6.5% interest. Uh, or rather, they're not paying 6.5% interest because they've defaulted in, in terms of the, the most recent repayments. Mm. So this is indication that, that WASPs themselves have got financial problems. And it looks as if, uh, yeah, and, and we, we, we've, got to, we've got to say a, a, a significant degree of caution here, that um, there is an opportunity for for somebody else to buy the stadium um, from Wasps, um, and and therefore this gives a, a, you know, a chance for, for new owners to come in. And what they can effectively do, they might be able to buy the stadium and buy the football club at the same time because there are potentially two willing sellers. And if if that that is the case, then then Cov could be up for for sale. That you know, they've uh, they're back in the championship. Yeah, you know, they've they, they've knocked around the the. Uh, the lower leagues for a while, but they're back in the championship. They they they, they won their you know, well, they, they certainly you know, sorry, they, they got a point at uh, Sunderland in their first game, mm. um, and most of all, from our point of view, they're back with that kit, which we oh. both remember from the mid seventies. Uh, you know, uh, and and I was always thinking, should I should I go and buy that Coventry away kit? Remember the one you'd you'd associate with Mick Ferguson and Ian Wallace, the mm. the chocolate brown one with those strange Adidas, the strange. Uh, uh, Admiral uh, stripes going down the side, but I, I never had enough pocket money to afford one. Yeah, I didn't like the brown ones so much, but they got. Remember, they had that kit, uh, and the FA wouldn't, uh, the league wouldn't let them wear it for televised matches. It had a ah, oh, yeah, it was tea Talbot, on it. wasn't it? Talbot, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it, it had. And Coventry said it's not a tee; it's just the design of the shirt. And the league said, "Well, you can wear it, but not when the cameras are on." So mm. that's that's only thirty odd years ago before shirt uh, shirts had. N- sponsors on um i'm very old school uh, kieran so i still call it highfield road i don't care where, i don't care where <laughs> right. it is basically and I, I still i really miss i really really miss away trips to highfield road and i've said this before so it's an interesting so so potentially this is not anything that coventry city fans need to worry about then kieran this is not it's not a fire sale it's just because I think most people back in 2007, it's like the Vinkies at Blackburn. I don't think anybody would have thought that Sisu would still be involved 15 years later, would they? Yes. I mean, yeah, the, the nature of a hedge fund is, is that when you buy something, you're immediately looking for an exit route. Um, and that, that's that's the way that the business makes money. It, it, it's it's a flipper. It's a bit like Dion Dublin and the houses that you, know, you, you buy, tart them up a bit, flog them off to somebody else and you, and you make a profit on the margin. Um, but uh, they, they they have been there for the long haul. They they appear to have uh, you know a board of directors who 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 certainly are saying the right things, um, and should, should be given some credit for that. And I, anyway, I'm I'm the first to uh, to to bash the you know private equity hedge fund mm. mentality when it comes to uh, not not just football but but other industries as well. It's quite a pleasing image, Dion Dublin uh, having the ground on Homes Under the Hammer. Showing the new owners around, 
And these are stairs. Yes. Stairs. Look at this. Um, this is an interesting one, Kieran. The timing of this story in particular, as Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters has confirmed that the investigation into Manchester City's alleged breach of profitability, profitability and sustainability rules is continuing three years after it started. Was he responding to a question about this, Kieran? Because otherwise, why would he feel the need to confirm it at this stage? Yes, well, it is It is 30 years of the Premier League uh, starting this season. And uh, Richard Masters was uh, effectively hosting a Q&A with, right. uh, with journalists. You know, a, bit, a bit like the Price of Football Live, uh, except we'll be talking to football fans. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's not to say that journalists aren't football fans, of course. Um, but uh, this, this was one of the questions that was raised uh, you know, along, along the broad issues. I think the the subject of, of NFTs, uh, and but somebody asked a question specifically in relation to, to Manchester City, um, and clearly that there is still uh, documents are being transferred between both parties. Uh, Manchester City were, were were of course originally charged by UEFA. They were. They were, they were subject to sanctions from UEFA. Manchester City appealed, and they were successful in respect of that appeal. So, um, it's uh, it, it it is dragging on uh, a long time. Uh, the the reasons for the delays are you know, kept kept very private. I think neither party wants to give anything away. The Premier League is under a lot of pressure from other clubs um, because, yeah, as we know, six into four doesn't go when it comes mm. to Champions League places, mm. and and that's what's driving this more than anything else. It's 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 those other clubs who who think that if if they can get Manchester City uh, sanctioned in some way, then it, it might be the difference between getting into the Champions League and not getting into the Champions League. Uh, yeah, at the end of this season or the next season or, or whenever the judgment is made, it, it's it's not done for any uh, uh, you know genuine altruistic reasons or, or, or sense of, of moral or ethical behaviour. So those Man City fans who uh, complain that the Premier League have got it in for them have got it wrong slightly then. It, it's it, yeah. It's it's not the Premier League as mm. such. I mean, the Premier League is is an, is an administrative body which is uh, beholden unto its its shareholders. So it has twenty shareholders, and the the Football Association has effectively a golden share which it never uses. So um, yeah, they have regular shareholder meetings, and you know, there will be there will be pressure put on. There will be issues that are raised. There will be private emails between individual clubs uh, to say. We're outraged. You know, we want to take the moral high ground on this whilst they're announcing their new NFT and mm-hmm. cryptocurrency sponsors, of course, um, uh, with regard to City, because it's it, it's it's an opportunity to get one over on the opposition, and and that's that's the nature of of you know, football ownership and and you know, football as 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 a business. I also read an article just a couple of days ago suggesting as well that clubs like Palace, Villa, West Ham are, are sort of trying to. Uh, rub the top six noses into it following ESL they feel that they've got a bit of a headwind behind them and that they're, they're trying to take advantage of that and maybe bring the top six down a peg or two still well um I, I think that the major issues as far as all clubs are concerned uh are in terms of uh the distribution of money going forwards and the the, the big elephant in the room is the uh the the Potential consequences of the, of the government white paper um, and, and the fan led review as to what is going to happen to the revenues which are generated by the Premier League, 
how they're going to be gener- how are they going to be distributed first of all within the division and the the sneaky six the uh, the super league clubs however you want to describe them um, they use the threat of super league to extract more and more concessions out of the other fourteen clubs um, and, and that has created a, a effectively a, a glass ceiling for, for the ambitions of the the non big six clubs and, and you know, we you know you talk to people in in Newcastle they're pretty frustrated about that um, I, I did a uh, a podcast uh, yesterday with with Nick DeMarco, where one of the questions were, came from a Newcastle fan, you know, it, 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 in very much this this particular area. And, and then there's the uh, what's going to happen in terms of parachute payments and uh, money to the EFL, uh, and how much of that is going to have to be coming from the pockets of the big six compared to the other fourteen. So I, I can understand why the likes of of Palace and Villa and so on, West Ham. Um, want to extract as much as they can because the big six have extracted historically uh, uh, benefits. Um, so, so you know, the big six clubs on average are, are earning three hundred million pounds more than the other fourteen each season, and that makes for a non-competitive Premier League. Mm. Now, Kieran, you know that some of our listeners think that my grasp of geography north of the border, uh, north of Watford. Uh, which is a Freudian slip because I think the border should be at Watford. Um, I think my my grasp of geography in the north of this country is, is shaky, Kieran, based on things like me saying recently that uh, York and Derby were in the same general direction, for example, uh, <laughs> which my answer is if you're standing in Bristol, York and Derby are in the same general direction. But I think I'm on fairly safe ground to say that Oldham is just down the road from Manchester. So just yes. down the road yeah, from yeah. Manchester, Kieran, Oldham, uh, some good news, some good news for the first time in a while for fans of Oldham Athletic. Yes, um, the old owners, uh, Lemsigam, um, which was a pretty conflicted relationship with the fans in terms of part ownership of the ground, uh, regular changes of manager, a lot of allegations that were made. And, and Oldham you know, are, are now having to deal with life in, in the National League, um, have been taken over. Um, uh, and I think the, the new owner, Frank Rothwell, is what you want from a northern owner. And I don't want to fall into stereotypes because you know, I, I lived in Manchester for 40 years, but he's, uh, he's suitably eccentric. He wears a flat cap. He's 73. He's rode single-handedly across the Atlantic. Uh, he's, he's climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, and he's he's uh, he he wants to put something back into his his local town. So uh, it, it has given a huge fillip. Uh, there's been a huge surge in in sales of uh, season tickets since Frank since the Rothwell family took over. Um, and, and I think it gives the the club some some stability uh, going forwards in in having someone that the the fans can rally around because. When relationships break down, and this you know this this applies, you know, a football club is a is a love affair, as we know, and it is mm. it's uh, when when you you sort of fall out of love with the person who you love, uh, it 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 causes uh, it, it causes an awful lot of hardship on on all sides, and I think uh, Oldham fans can embrace their club once again, and and fair play to to all of those Oldham fans, the people such as you know push the boundary and, and other organisations who. Uh, have been uh, been subject to some criticism from the club themselves, and then at times there's think there's been threats from the club to ban people uh, and, and so on. But uh, everybody's kept up the, uh, the 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 approach that we want what's best for Oldham 
athletic and, and uh, you know good luck to them this season uh the national league is is division five you know we we, we, we talk about the 92 but you know the national league is, is now professional uh you've got some big hitters there playing some big wages so Oldham won't find it easy at all but um i, I think they will they will certainly be uh using this as a springboard to be honest, Kieran, when I was in my twenties, I I fell in and out of love all the time. Didn't give it a second thought. <laughs> <laughs> then I found the right one. Um, and again, just down the road from Oldham, Wigan Athletic have got a new shirt sponsor this season, and it, it's not one of the usual suspects, Kieran, is it? That that's right. And uh, fair, fair play here uh, to to Wigan. Uh, they are. Uh, yeah, we've spoken about. Um, uh, the, the the Plymouth Argyle sponsors being being a local charity yeah. highlighting uh, uh, food poverty in in some of the boroughs in uh, in Plymouth and, and th- this is broadly similar this this is um, the uh, the big help project which which is a national charity it's it's based in Liverpool uh, it, it's a charity which deals with issues of of food poverty housing giving money advice to people employability you know trying to to give people a leg up and and that is absolutely critical mm. um and and the the front of shirts deal has effectively been gifted to the charity by by somebody close to the club um so you know we, we we've got a few stories coming up later in this episode which uh you sort of just sigh about uh but this this is this is one of the ones where you can be proud of everybody involved first of all the football club and and secondly wishing everybody um, you know, at the charity, uh, all the best in terms of increasing their profile and all the great work that they do, um, and also hoping that you know we 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 move forwards into a world with yeah you know, a bit like we've said we'd love the day where we can stop stop this podcast. Well, it will be a great day when when charities like the uh, you know, the Big Help Project are no longer needed, but they are needed more than ever at present. Yeah, do you know what you, you mentioned the sigh with the last couple of stories? I'm I'm just going to have to get through them by crossing my fingers and going. We're going athletic, Plymouth Argyle. We're going athletic, Plymouth Argyle. Um, <laughs> not such good news for Hartlepool though, Kieran. They lost three hundred sixty-six thousand pound in twenty twenty-one. Although that might be, in the scheme of things, not too bad. Um. Yeah, yeah. We, you look at those numbers. You say, you know, club, clubs losing seven thousand pounds a week. That's that's not great. And and then you benchmark it against other clubs, and uh, you realise actually probably wasn't that bad because twenty twenty one. Remember, was the the season which was effectively lost to COVID. Um, the, the the club did take advantage of, of furlough, which is right and proper in in my opinion. Because yeah, remember, people talk about furlough. It's actually the job retention scheme, and mm. it has allowed the club to continue in twenty one twenty two. Um, but uh, it, it shows that uh, the big numbers and, and the, the overheads of, of running a football club are not unique to the top two divisions, uh, and it does it'll go all the way down the, the pyramid. Uh, you know, Hart, Hartlepool uh, are, are finding it tough. Uh, you know, back in back in the EFL as well. Now, Ken, this next news story, I've got a, a question about the wording of it because what guy has sent. It says, Aston Villa have set up a borrowing facility with Barclays, which is secured on broadcast revenues for the next two seasons. Does that mean Aston Villa have borrowed some money from Barclays or they've set up a kind of pool that they can dip into if they want to? Well, having read the document, um, it's probably the second, but it could be the first. Um, The... the, uh, what what's happened is is that if you if you borrow money, there's two ways of borrowing money. First of all, you you can effectively 
go down the route of uh, you know an unsecured loan or a credit card and because if you default on your payments the lender uh, has no no fixed claim against your assets they tend to charge you additional interest because they're taking on additional risk then there's the route that villa have gone down which again is is, is quite common in which you you come to some form of arrangement with a bank so um Looking at this, you know, Barclays is, is trying to position itself as the Premier League's go-to bank. So you can understand why why they want to have done this. So of course, they, they've recently lost the the Newcastle account, but mm. you know, as, as we said last week, that that may be connected to uh, personal historical relationships between uh, Amanda Staveley and and her claim against Barclays, uh, in which yeah, some of the comments made by people at Barclays did did not. Uh, did not uh, come across particularly uh, well. Um, so if, if Villa can have an overdraft facility, uh, which I would imagine would be part of this deal, that, that makes sense. And, and the reason for that is that the biggest cost for a football club is wages. And wages tend to be fairly constant per month because everybody's on contract. So you know exactly how much is, is the overall wage bill. Um, but the money coming in is is far more lumpy. It's far more volatile. You've got a big surge from season ticket sales the money that comes in from sky people think oh well does sky pay money every month that's not the case uh, 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 premier league clubs get a large tranche of money from the premier league itself when it when it gets the first installment from sky which is front loaded and, th- and this is in this is in the interests of all parties first of all it allows those clubs to, to cover their costs in June and July when they've not got any matches taking place, so therefore they've not got money coming in uh, for those two months. But secondly, it, it helps Sky because the money that comes in helps to to, to fund the transfer market, and you know that that allows you know Sky Sports News and so on to 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 be able to to tell 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 the stories and, and to keep us informed with regards to the transfer market, which which itself now is sort of you know has exploded as. A thing, you know, they're, they're, you know, football finance has become a thing. Football kits have become a thing. The transfer market is is so much more uh, intriguing than it was uh, thirty years ago when the Premier League launched. So I, I suspect that there is a, there is certainly an overdraft built into this because when you've got uh, volatile revenues and constant costs, there will be some months when you need your overdraft, and there will be uh, some months when you don't. Um, but could there be a loan as well? Possibly, but given the wealth of the uh, of the villa owners, I'm, I'm I'm not sure that they would want to go down that route. Hmm. There will be some moments when you don't need your overdraft. You say that is an interesting concept. <laughs> I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Crawley Town have signed a player based on a vote by fans 
and NFT holders. Now, normally, Kieran, my response to that would be, Jesus Christ, the game's gone. But that would leave me nowhere to go with the last two stories. So (laughs) I'm just going to have to let it go in silence. The Crawley Town have signed a player based on a vote by fans and non-fungible token holders. That's a sentence you wouldn't have seen even two years ago, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, Crawley do have the the new owners wag me. Um, We've been, I think we've been, you know, Healthy scepticism is, is is a good trait to have, in my view. Uh, if, if you work in the world of finance, but but we, the, the the offer to wag me, the owners to come on the show is is there, um, and they they sold. Uh, I think uh, uh, they've sold these tokens to five thousand four hundred uh, uh, representatives, uh, members of the community, for, for one of a better thing, and that's raised three point nine million pounds, which is actually you know, a lot more than Liverpool raised when they sold their NFTs. Mm. So, so Wagme are trying to to pitch Crawley not as Crawley Town Football Club, but as the Internet's football club, and uh, there, there will be, and they're trying to give benefits to people uh, who who buy these tokens. Um, so. The way that it was split was that uh, that, that uh, fans and NFT holders um, were given fifty percent of the votes each, and they could uh, uh, they could put that to saying, "Do you want a yeah, do you want a defender? Do you want a midfield player? Do you want a goalkeeper? Do you want a striker?" And they voted for a midfield player, um, and he's now been signed. Um, and they've got a, they've set up a fan council as well, so they, they do seem to be doing some things which um, are are you know. Within certainly within our uh, remit of what we consider to be uh, beneficial for the game, um, and it uh, it'll be an interesting observation. Um, you know, Craw- Crawley as, as a as a town has a has a limited uh, has a limited number of people that are going to watch the club play. Mm. So yeah, if you get five thousand four hundred new people coming in with some sort of interest, now that interest may wane very quickly. It's a bit like a fantasy football team where it, yeah, if, if you're if you're tenth out of twelve. In your league after after the first couple of weeks, your team doesn't get changed for the next six months. Mm. Um, so so we'll, we'll we'll wait and see uh, how this is going to develop. But um, uh, it's uh, it's certainly a yeah, yeah, three point nine million pounds is, is yeah, that's that's the revenue for that some clubs get in, in a whole year mm. from from all of their sources of income over uh, in 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 League Two. So uh, that that is an, an achievement in itself. It it is, and and if it's sustainable, then that is a fantastic achievement. I say this with some pride, Kieran. I, I suspect if you asked Palace fans uh, to vote on the name of a player they'd like to sign, we'd end up paying ten million pounds for Boating at Boatface. Uh, <laughs> uh, on a similar note, Charlton have announced a partnership with NFT company Generous Robots. Yes, um, for all the the cautious optimism and praise that I've just given to Crawley Town, I'm going to completely reverse that when it comes to uh, what Charlton have done. Um, I, I think this is back of short sponsorship with Generous Robots, and uh, I, I'm indebted here to to our good friend Martin Calladine, who uh, is is one of those journalists that is prepared to to get his hands dirty and, and to investigate. He's, he's tried to get in contact with uh, Generous Robots, Um they appear to not have a proper website. They've got no email address. They are uh, their their cryptocurrency, which launched at one pound sixty eight, uh, it's now worth one pence. Uh, so not partic- yeah, it's not not particularly good. Uh, yeah, no. get, getting getting a getting a, a nod of appreciation from John Terry, probably. Yeah. Um, does Does Michael Owen know about this? Because apparently, you can't lose money on these things. Yes. 
Um, and then he's, you know, he said, you know, trying to find anybody connected to, to this organization is, is practically impossible. He did manage to get a screenshot of somebody from Generous Robots uh, doing an interview uh, online and the person was wearing a hoodie, had a scarf across his face, <laughs> which had shades as well. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, make, make uh, too many connections, but, uh, yeah, when uh, when I used to go to my uh, the family farm uh, uh, back in back in Tipperary back in the uh, the seventies, there there were some strange people with balaclavas that used yeah, to hang yeah. around there, which were quite frightening. Um, and and this guy didn't didn't do himself any favors. And and then we we read uh, that uh, sort of trying to find out bits and pieces about generous robots. It says uh, it's our, our our mission statement is to change the focus of of NFTs to a diversified utility to generate a high return for those who invest early, i.e. it's a Ponzi scheme. You try to get people to, to buy in early to find some other mug. You know, and and this, this, is, this is what Bill Gates says. It's, it's the find a bigger fool uh, system. And uh, that, that, was, uh, that, that was of no... Uh, no, it's just, it's just bad news. Yeah, and so, and I've, I've got to say to Charlton, what on earth are you doing? So uh, for those of us who don't know, Kieran, I'm not sure, a, a Ponzi scheme involves paying dividends to the early investors with money from later investors. Is that pretty That's much right. it? Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you you buy something. You find some. You you buy something for ten. You you say this is absolutely fantastic. You send it. To, you sell it to somebody else for fifteen. They then try to sell. Say it's fantastic and find somebody who will buy it off them for twenty and so on. Uh, and and eventually somebody says, "Oh, hold on. Uh, I've, I've made a bit of profit. I'm going to start to sell." And the whole thing collapses like a deck of cards. Mm. Um, we've still got those two uh, Jesus Christ stories to come. <laughs> but before that, I, I suppose this bit of news is a cautionary tale to both Crawley and Charlton, in a way, because in the US, the National Women's Soccer League has told its players they could lose out financially after the cryptocurrency platform Voyager Digital, one of the league's biggest partners, filed for bankruptcy earlier this month. Yes, um, and it, feel, it feels like the t- today's episode is, is going to be crypto bashing, and, and it's not. You know, the, the stories are the ones that we simply pick up from what's yeah. in the public domain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, crypt- cryptocurrency is an, an unregulated, highly volatile, and easily manipulated market. And if you want to buy into that, knowing that those features, then then I say good luck to you. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to tell people not to do it, but it does come at high risk. And what cryptocurrency platforms are trying to do is that they're trying to seek um, legitimacy and normalization through association with with sport and celebrity because you know, having having somebody who is an influencer or having uh, an organization which people look up to as, as a commercial partner uh, gives you indirectly that legi- that that legitimacy but uh, Voyager digital has gone bust it has put a lot of money into uh, into, into the US league and uh, that money's now effectively gone. Um, so, so how do you pay the bills? How do you pay the wages? Mm. Um, this, it's it's a cautionary tale, and that's all I can say. And now, Kieran, these last two stories, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. 
uh, I assume they're, they're genuine news stories, but it's quite possible that producer guys had a bet with someone to see what he can get me to read out. Because <laughs> um, the first one is that Manchester City fans will be able, should they choose, to wear a smart scarf next season, mm. which will have a biometric sensor integrated into the fabric. Yes, um, this is something that Manchester City have done with their technology partner, Cisco, and they, they have tried it out. Um, they it it uh, it has uh, you know if anybody's use uses a bit of wearable tech. So if you if, you, if you've got a Fitbit, if you've got one of these, if you've got a smartwatch. Uh, which tells you your heart rate, tells you you know how many steps you've done. Um, it's it's broadly similar to this. It, it's going to it's going to measure apparently because it's got these sensors built in. It'll measure your heart rate, you know, which as we know can get uh, uh, go up or down. It measures your body temperature. It measures how much you're sweating, and that links to the amount of stress. Uh, but the the thing which which intrigued me most of all was that it it, it says it's going to to measure your emotional arousal, um, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or perhaps that you might call it a spathometer. I, you know, I don't know how how we do. It. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, if, you know if last minute equalizers. Your emotional arousal is going to go through the roof. Um, but uh, who's who's going to wear them? Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I don't know what the target market is. There's no indication of price. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we wait and see. I don't. I don't want to be too cynical about it. Some people, you know, if, if somebody told me years ago that I'd be wearing a watch which which measures my heart rate, I go, well, why on earth would I do that? But you, you look at the number of Apple watches. Uh, you know, you, you go on any train journey, you go to any match, and and they're they're all over the place. Yeah, I mean, in in general, Kieran, anything that can give you an early warning sign about health issues is a very good thing. But mm. it's hard enough to get an appointment at my GP surgery as it is without phoning up and saying the scarf said I should give you a call. <laughs> it's yes. and then and what happens next? We get a a, a half and half smart scarf, <laughs> which is smart enough to say don't do a half and half scarf. I, 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 I can just about buy this, this last one, Kieran. Uh, I, I don't even know what it, what the words mean, Kieran. Everton fans are going to be offered digitally be, digitally wearable shirt. What the? What's a digitally wearable shirt, Kieran? How do you wear a digitally wearable shirt? With well, you, you've got uh, your scarf measuring your heart rate, and now you've got a, 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 a chest full of pixels. What's happening in the world, Kieran? Well, we we were talking last week about you know only forty four clubs of of home and away kits available to sell to to fans. So perhaps this is a this is a, a an alternative. Um, you know, Kevin, you know, you know when you or I pop down to the metaverse to have a to have a, an online pint. Oh, yeah, I was, uh, and I said, just last night, yeah, exactly the online the online yeah, the, the, the meta porson's arms. Um, <laughs> I can just imagine. Oh, we're only taking cash. Yeah, we're, not taking, we're not taking credit. We're not taking cards. None of that nonsense. Even in the metaverse, he takes cash. <laughs> um, so, according to uh, Fanserve, who are Everton's partners, and uh, and Everton have somehow managed to keep a straight face uh, in this, that they're they're only going to offer high end digital shirts. So, I don't know what oh, yeah, pixelated good. polyester looks like, but you'll be getting premium pixelated polyester Everton fans um, and it's all going to be part of when you are uh, in the metaverse and, and perhaps you know we we are you know we are we are we are a pair of, you know I'm, I am a granddad um, 
perhaps perhaps this this is uh, uh, an age thing, uh, but I, I've never wanted a hyper immersive online fan experience as a fan. I just want to go to my football match and, and shout and scream, and yeah, watch it on the telly. I'll shout and scream as well. Um, but that I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday who. Uh, you know, I, I'm discussing this to somebody who was you know, substantially younger than me. And he says, well, you don't get it. You know, for a, a lot of people of the younger generation, they spend more of their life online than they do outside. And they do converse using, uh, you know, for want of a phrase, the metaverse where you're, this, this, this shirt is not for you. This shirt is for your avatar. So, what we now can do is that when you can when you go to your your online version of the Porson's Arms, you can walk in and you can be wearing the latest Everton shirt um, with uh, you know with your latest designer online sunglasses. And by all accounts, people are, are willing to pay for this. And, and if you take a look at the world of computer games, we are seeing a huge amount being spent by people who want to have their Space Marine in Halo or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I don't play the games that, that much. I, I'm I'm I'm, st- I'm still battling my way through Zelda, um, uh, uh, but uh, but what you can do is that you can upgrade the kit that the uh, that the the people in these games wear, and that's going to cost you money. And that has become a legitimate. Well, it's become a legitimate revenue source in the sense that it's it, it's legal, uh, but it's also become a perhaps I should say a lucrative revenue source for games companies. And I think that football clubs and, and some of their commercial partners partners are saying, well, if it can be done by electronic arts, if it can be done by Activision in the gaming industry, why can't we take advantage of that as well and make money from the football club? And you know, I think it's, you know, Everton fans have, have reacted with a, a suitable degree of, hmm, yeah, we're not convinced about this. But yeah, also everybody knows that the Everton are desperate for every penny at present, given, given their financial circumstances. And from their point of view, it comes as zero cost, yeah, apart from people sniggering mm. speaking on behalf of my avatar kieran do these shirts come in xxl <laughs> yes well or do i just uh, get a slim, the, do i get a slimmer avatar can i choose well oh yes you you can you, you can go every, everybody from uh, sid little to, to ba baracus i think as far as your 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 online uh <laughs> you kind of ruin the effect of talking about the cutting edge technology and throwing sid little and ba baracus in there <laughs> as examples of people you can go as i've got i've got i love i've always loved uh computer games rpgs in particular alien ed bought me a, a switch for christmas other handheld oh. consoles are available going i know um and and it's changed my life in that i've barely read a book in the nine months since <laughs> Uh, but it's brilliant. But I, I, I am old school. I'm, I'm happy to admit I'm old school. I, I'd rather have a hyper immersive experience at Sellers Park, mm. if that's possible. But it, Kieran, it's it's progress. It's the way of the world. It's the way young people interface with the world. And if the football club can make some money at the same time, then who are we to argue? Two yep. bitter middle aged blokes. That's who we are to argue. <laughs> <laughs> it will be both putting on Smith's albums when we get off this and stroke, stroking our Joy Division T-shirts. Okay? Comfort, <laughs> comfort. Uh, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page, including Andrew Leggett, Gareth Scriven, Stefan, Malachi Eastwood, Chris Motley, Duncan Filshi, and Ben Jackson, who reckons he's probably the first Dagenham and Redbridge fan to become a Price of Football Ultra 
There you go. You don't get that in the internet, do you? If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then thank you very much. It's really kind of you. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash price of football. And remember, if you contribute uh, £3 upwards, you get the choice of an ad-free listen to the pod. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell that we know won't involve Sid Little and B.A. Baracus because he's... Throwing those names away. <laughs> yeah, you've got those in the bingo. <laughs> you've lost out, kids. Um, as always, uh, thanks for everybody for the support. Uh, we, we do appreciate it. Uh, and for those of you that, uh, that keep me on my toes, I, I think on Sunday I'd, I'd said that uh, if you played in the group games in the uh, Champions League, you were cup tied. I, I was wrong, so I take that back. Uh, so, but it, but it's yeah, we we genuinely uh, do do welcome feedback and, and and constructive criticism, and 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 we accept the abuse as well. Um, if, if you want to support the the show, uh, Patreon uh, is for, for, for as little as a pound a month is, is is one route you can go down. Another route to, to show some positive vibes is to go on to your uh, application, your your app in respect of podcasts, and, and give us a review. Uh, if, if you'd like to give us five stars, we'd be most appreciative. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, you you could say you would rather have the show presented by Sylvester and Tweety Pie. Than myself and Kevin, and and our egos could cope with it. Uh, if, if you if you're if a fan of old school Warner Brothers cartoons, which I am, uh, I'd actually be quite honoured uh, if that was the case. So apart from that, thank you very much, and we will see you on Monday. I I, used to, I couldn't stand that little Tweety Pie. Just it was a bit of a no all, wasn't it? It was a bit. Of a, just I, you just wanted one episode to end. Maybe just the last episode ever of the series with Sylvester just deciding to carry on eating him. And the amount of times that Sylvester half swallowed him and then got <laughs> and then got conned into not going the whole way it used to really annoy me. I used to like, same with Tom and Jerry. It's like Tom, he's got a frying pan. Don't run around that corner. You do it every time. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, see that, that that that's better than the metaverse. <laughs> exactly. A mouse hitting a cat with a frying pan. You don't get that in the metaverse, kids. Bye everybody. Bye. The price of football. Buy some football.